0: Welcome to All Roads 65 Max Radio, where the road ahead gets brighter as we journey toward truth, traveling through our dreams and inspiration into a new reality. It's time and your ticket is waiting. All aboard, all roads lead 65 Max with Pamela Henderson.
1: Thank you for joining me on BBS Radio, All Road 65 Max. I am your host, Pamela L. Henderson. My focus is my mission statement, to help create a quality of life through social growth, inspiring Jews to become leaders by establishing partnerships with corporations, nonprofits, donor sponsors, volunteers, the community, and abroad. Join me every other Tuesday. At noon on BBS Radio, all roads 65 Max. My special guest today is Mr. Vincent Toman, who was born in Arlington, Texas, Texas, I'm sorry, and has since traveled around the world, living in both Cambodia and Thailand. He loves animals, meditating and spending time in nature. His greatest priorities? is his relationship with his creator, his family, and the people he meets. He is currently living in Nevada with his wife
0: and their two children.
1: At last, thank you for this interview, Mr. Tolman, and welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thank you so much, Pamela. Thank you for having me on.
1: Yes, sir. So how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Doing the ha- you know, it's a beautiful sunny day and and here, here in Las Vegas today, it's beautiful today, so I'm having a great day. What is How the weather like right now? I'm good. I am
1: good. Actually, it's really cold out here in California, but yeah, uh, the sun cold. is out. Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome. The sun's <laughs> always great. You know, it's a little little chilly here for Vegas, but chilly for us is in the 50s. That's not chilly for the rest of America, I know.
1: Yeah, that is true. I've been to Vegas many, many times, and I've been when it was, like, so cold when I was in the um, casino. And when I came out, I could just literally just start smoking a fake cigarette. <laughs> it was that cold. <laughs> and we had, oh, yeah. I had to run back in the casino because it was just that cold. So, yeah, that's one thing that I uh, noticed about Vegas. When it's cold, it's cold. But when it's hot, it's hot. It's, yeah.
0: <laughs> out of the it fire and into the freezer.
1: Absolutely. And so where I live right now is in uh, Antioch, California, little City here, right out of Concord, um, California. And we have similar weather as Vegas. So when it's cold here, it is cold. And when it's hot, it is hot. So, yeah. yes. But thank you for joining me. We are going to get right into it. I have a lot of questions. Awesome. But I'm going to ask you this main question, because after reading about you and, I mean, you're a very inspiring individual. So I'm going to ask you, what do you love about life now?
0: What I love about life uh, so much now is how much power we have with our choices. Uh, I, I didn't really realize that before I, I had my experience of crossing over, but, mm-hmm. but we do. We have so much ability to build and create here with our choices. And, and really, that's one of the reasons we're here. It's, it's the primary reason is to ha- learn to be able to create, learn to make those choices that build things, create things. Um, and be a creator.
1: Absolutely. I totally agree. So you have a book. I do. And yes, do. you do. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into the book, and I know in, somebody, in some of my questions, it may ask you again, and that is what I do, but about this book, what inspired you to write? your book and there is a book that describes your experience in detail the light after death which is available on amazon kindle and soon on audible tell us about that
0: so so this this book uh i've been sharing this experience verbally for about 15 years and and finally it's gotten to a point where um, I had to, you know, start documenting it for people and I was sending short versions out to a bunch of uh, different people who requested it. Finally, after so many people asking me to write a book, I finally kind of caved in and, and wrote the book with, with a, a good friend together. We wrote it and, and got it all put together. So, and in fact, uh, a new demand is a lot of people want a follow up book. So we're working on a follow up to the first one too right now.
1: Wow. That's interesting. And in about your book, which, about dying, we've all heard about near-death experiences, but yours was a little different than most. Paramedics yeah. declared you dead and put you in a body bag. How did you die, and how did they find you?
0: Yeah, so it's, uh, it's one of these miracle stories, and, and I do call it a miracle because it is a miracle. Um, I, I ended up uh, taking a, a bad supplement that I had bought on the Internet. Me and a buddy of mine, we both took it, and instantly we started to feel sick. We went to a restaurant, and my buddy, he, he went over and, and started to throw up on one of the, the restaurant booths, one of the tables. And meanwhile, I went in the bathroom and locked the door and did the same thing on the ground there. But I, I ended up doing it on my back, you know, passed out on the ground. So I ended up aspirating while my buddy... He got hauled away in an ambulance, and he was fine. They were able to get his stomach pumped and taken care of, but nobody saw us coming together into that restaurant. So I laid there dead for about a, anywhere between 45 minutes to an hour before I was discovered. Then when they did discover me, they, they got an ambulance there and pronounced me dead, put me in a body bag, and here's the miracle of it. Um, a brand-new medic on his, his you know, first week of working in the field um, he's sitting in the back of that ambulance staring at that body bag, and he felt God tell him that this one's not dead. And so he went ahead and, and followed that prompting, followed that feeling, and he attempted resuscitation. And after a couple of rounds of shocks to the heart, he was able to get my heart to start back up. Even though I was cold, I was stiff, I was dead, and I was in a body bag, he, he followed that prompting. And to me, that is the miracle. But uh, meanwhile, I was brain dead. I was brain dead for three days, and so a second miracle was that I got to be in heaven for those three days and have the whole, um, I called it an after-death experience because I did die to get there. But, uh, yeah, I had the whole experience, got to have the whole thing.
1: Wow. I mean, that is, that's phenomenal.
0: Wow. Yes. So. It's it's really mm-hmm. changed Go my ahead.
1: life for sure. It's changing mine right now as we speak.
0: <laughs>
1: really? <laughs> so you're in this body bag in the back of the ambulance. You've been dead for probably more than an hour by this point. Mm-hmm. How are yeah, you from... alive today though? How I mean You
0: know there's, there's not a lot of science that can, can explain it. I've had one neurologist tell me that that my body wasn't all the way dead. It was in a, a, a state of stasis is what he called it because the, the tile floor were, was so cold in that bathroom that I had passed out in. He said that it put me in kind of a, a, a sedative or slumber state even though I, I wasn't breathing and there was no heart rate. Um, that was definite. When they found me, there was no heart rate and I was cold. I was starting to get cold. So, yeah, there's no real scientific explanation other than, you know, the the balance or the relationship between our spirit or our soul and the physical body that we have here. It's, it's got a, a, a bigger um, availability to each other than we even know that uh even after someone dies for for quite a while that spirit or that soul is is usually hanging around um for a while I know I was I was I was watching everything above and you know the the typical experience I was literally watching it from the ceiling looking down you know watching my own body and watching them bag it and watching them resuscitate it watching them transfer it into a hospital and 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 that's when I began to to make my choice to go towards heaven um, and at that point, I had a somebody that, that was there to help me on that journey.
1: So you really felt that you were in control?
0: Oh, 100%. Yeah, as soon as soon as I met my, what I call my guide, uh, a gentleman that was there to help guide me, once I met him, he made it very clear that at any point, if I wanted to go back to my body, I could. But to me, it looked like so much pain that was going on around the body. I didn't want to go back to that. I wanted to go with him um, because it was just uh, this beautiful, amazing, loving, peaceful um, feeling coming from this gentleman. And uh, I knew I wanted some of that. I wanted that, not, not the pain that was going on around the body.
1: Wow. So tell me, what part of the book did you have the hardest time writing?
0: Well, so it's kind of funny, but the whole interchange between me and my guide, it was really hard to get that down in words, and here's the reason why, is when we're in our spirit form or our soul form, we don't need to use our mouth to communicate because we don't have our physical mouth anymore, so when we when we have thoughts or desires, those are instantly broadcast to each other, so we don't use, you know, our mouths and our ears to communicate with each other, so... I had to sit there and, and take this whole experience that I didn't use my mouth, I didn't use technically words to have this experience, but to put it into words. That's that was the really hard part. And it actually took almost three years of meetings and meetings and meetings, interviews and meetings and interviews, just countless hours, you know, um, probably over a thousand hours of, of of meetings and interviews with my writer, working together to get make this happen, um, because we're we're taking things that don't use words and putting words around them to help describe them so that we can understand them here in our physical in our physical world
1: right wow so about the experience on the other side while your body was in a coma you had a guide who took you on a tour of the other side and taught you 10 principles it's interesting that the first principle you learned wasn't love. What was no. that first principle?
0: So it's really funny. Um, I, I thought that was odd, too. When he first told me that, that I needed to learn how to be authentic with myself before I could do anything else, he showed mm-hmm. me that that's kind of the foundation of our existence here, that until we can be authentic, until we can be the same version of ourselves, no matter where we go, whether we're at work, whether we're at home, with mom and dad, with, with brother, sister, with our kids, uh, you know, if we're the same being everywhere we go, then we are being authentic. And, and what I didn't realize, I thought I was authentic, but I wasn't. I was technically putting out a different version of myself depending on who I was with. And so that was the first principle he taught me is I needed to, to authentically be me. And once I could, you know, peel off all the, the outside insecurities and peel away any any um, facets of who I thought I was, and realize who the core of who I was, and just be that guy. Once I was there, he realized that that he helped me realize that now I could actually learn to love. Now I could actually start to grow because I did have to be authentic first. That's the foundation of of this whole experience. Really, if we want to grow, we have to first be authentic. Yeah. So authenticity was the first principle that he taught me.
1: Wow. That's right. Love was actually the third principle. Not that mm-hmm. love is less important. There are just a couple of things we need to know first to better apply that third principle. You agree?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's funny. It's, it, he was kind of like uh, babying me along, almost like I was a toddler. But uh, But he was. He was he was first getting, you know, peeling away all the extra layers that I would put around myself, all my different personalities that I allowed myself to absorb and become. And then from there, he, he, he helped me understand that the purpose of life is, is not for us to go, but, you know, be judged by anyone. But, but life is literally a classroom, not a courtroom. We're here so that we can learn and we can grow. And we can, you know, cultivate that power of creation using our, our choices to create our lives and, and literally creating our own universes in the way that we make our choices every day. So that was the second principle is, is just understanding that life is, is, has purpose. And that purpose is for us to learn, not to be judged, but to learn. Mm-hmm. There's, no, there's no garbage can for any of our souls that uh, what we do here is going to elevate or escalate what we get next in our next stage of life, but it's, it's only to facilitate our growth, not to cast any of us away. And so, yeah, the, the second principle is, is to understand the purpose of life, that we are in that classroom, not that courtroom. And, and then from there, once I understood that, then I could begin to love because so many people in this life, they have a hard time with their own self judgment with their own self-worthiness, with um, what they think the world values them as. And, and once you understand the purpose of life, that we're not here to be judged, we shouldn't judge ourselves, that we're here to learn. And as long as we're learning from our mistakes, then, then those mistakes are good things as long as we're learning from them. And, and that, again, we're not in that courtroom. We're in a beautiful, amazing classroom, and that's where we exist. And then, you know, wow. from there, then, then mm-hmm. you can begin to love. And you can begin to love everyone, but starting with yourself, because if you can't love yourself, you can't love anyone else truly. You first have to love yourself. Then you'll have the ability to love others. Um, But it it does start with self-love first.
1: I totally agree. And sometimes people (laughs) take that when a person is really confident about loving themselves and Judgment does come into play; they feel that you are overconfident or you think you all bad or anything you know some of those issues when not really understanding that you know like me i I, call, I am a sapphire, I am one of god 's jewels, I believe that I walk it, I talk it, and that 's how i feel and in my program through my foundation, that is what I teach others. I let my girls know that Self-love comes first and mm-hmm. pick a jewel, just pick a jewel. You could be a diamond, sapphire, whatever, but let that shine and forget what others think, but just to keep moving and, and, and love yourself and be confident. That is very, very important. And I know you touched bases a little bit, but I'm, I still want to talk about being authentic Such as when you, yeah, such as when you are not authentic, you are not being honest with yourself, which means you aren't fully loving yourself, which means you can't truly love anyone else. Can you just elaborate more on that? Because you went through that experience to overcome a phenomenal situation.
0: Yes. Yeah, so I I was raised in a really uh, um, very abusive home, uh, physically abusive and and emotionally abusive. And being raised in that, um, I did have a very inauthentic personality, uh, and that was a survival mechanism for me. I learned that I would put on the personality that I needed to put on to make whoever I was with happy, no matter who that was, whether they were a friend or a foe, it didn't matter. I was putting on a version of myself to make them happy. And, and so as I was going through this experience, I didn't realize that I had so many different different, different versions of myself that I was putting out to the world. And, and what was really weird is there were certain versions that I liked and, and I thought that I loved, but I didn't truly love. Because if I loved myself truly, why would I need to have all these different versions of myself? I wouldn't need to. And that was one of the first things that, that I learned in that authenticity is that when I am being authentic, I am the core of who I am, and I am the same being no matter where I go and who I speak with. That is the place that I can start to love myself. And, and just like when you're on the airplane and, and they, they drop the oxygen mask, first you have to put that oxygen mask on yourself before you can go out and put the oxygen on anyone else. That's why that authenticity being authentic about loving yourself and, and truly caring about who you you're the core of who you are, that gives you the ability to move forward and start putting the oxygen masks on others. Then it gives you that ability to love others, whether it's your children, whether it's your spouse, whether it's a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, uh, a significant other that that can be done first only if you love yourself authentically, truly to the core peeling away all those personalities that we allow ourselves to have. And, and one easy little exercise I learned was to look in the mirror and to say statements to yourself, looking in your own eyes, until it's not uncomfortable, until it feels beautifully comfortable and feels authentic. And once you're there, now you know you can start loving yourself and caring about yourself that will facilitate your ability to grow and love others. And care for others.
1: Absolutely. Totally agree. What was the most surprising thing to you about being dead?
0: Well, uh, for me, I had no idea how big and how vast life is. I had no idea. I thought that, you know, I, I'm a very scientifically minded person, always have been my whole life. And I still still dwell in that realm a bit, but I'll tell you, when I was there, I got to catch a glimmer, or or get a a vision of what all of life really is in the universe. And there is so many different life forms in the universe, more than more than all the imaginations could ever think of. There's so much life across this vast universe. But one of the reasons why. What goes on here is so important is because here on Earth is the gathering. It's the, the melting pot of all the forms of creation across all the universe. They're put together here on this planet um, so that we can learn the power of creation when combined, combining all those different forces, all those different DNAs from all over the, the universe. But that was the biggest thing for me is, is I just really didn't grasp how large life is outside of just our planet. There's so much life and so much um, space out there that we have no capability of even understanding because we're so kind of locked into our own uh, spinning rock uh, called the earth, you know?
1: (laughs) Right, right. That is true. That is true. I mean, your story to me is still amazing. I mean, when I read about... You and uh, reading, you know, your book a little bit, and I can't wait to really get off into it. I was totally amazed. I mean, you are like someone whom I mean, it's really special for me because you had have given me this opportunity to discuss this experience with you, and i would never have spoken to anyone who have had this type of death experience and is able to share that with us as well. So I'm going to be a little overwhelmed right now because (laughs) it's so exciting, you know, to me, and it's a phenomenal, um, it's just phenomenal. That's all I'm going to say. It is. But moving (laughs) right along, what can people learn from your experience that can help them in their lives?
0: Well, the, the number one thing that I like to help people understand is that they are a divine form of life that, that God succinctly made and created, and that none of us are accidents. Not a single one of us are accidents. Even if we were a quote-unquote accident with our physical parents, with our biological parents, we are not an accident to be alive today, and and that God, the Creator, loves every hair on our head, loves every atom of our within ourselves. Um, yeah. God loves every little bit of us, the way that we are right now, not the way that God wants us to be or that we want to be, but exactly how we are right now, and and that's that to me is a very powerful aspect of what I learned in my experience because there's so much out there teaching you the opposite. There's so much out there teaching you that you're not valuable, that you are only the job that you have or the religion that you carry or or, or embrace or the the culture that you are or the country that you are. But you know what? Your value is not there. Your, your value goes beyond this world and you are extremely, extremely valuable. And, and God described to me the, what we all are, our divine masterworks, that that's what we are here. And, and if we understood how much life is out there in the universe and how they are all looking to us, wishing they could be us, we are the cream of the crop. We're the royalty of all life in all the universe. And every single one of us kings and queens and, and principalities just just elevated in God's kingdom. And if we could understand how valuable and important we are, we would not do near as much things that we would typically do, and we would probably do a lot better things that uh, we're not currently doing. Yeah. So that to me is the number one thing is how, how important we really are in this universe and how much God loves us, how much God loves us.
1: That is true. That is so true. And we're able to overcome some phenomenal issues and obstacles And I am a true believer of that because I have gone through an obstacle and I thought that, you know, my God, am I just going to die from this? But it was like there was a will that I had in my soul that I was like, no, I deserve better. And I know this is my truth. And when I stood in my truth, look, I totally overcame because... I had taken myself out of the victim mentality and I am just totally Victorian. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I am in love with myself. <laughs> My husband always did tell him, that's a good way to, you know, stop arguing. argument. I'm like, you know, I just, no, that's okay. However you feel because I love Pamela. <laughs> and he just like <laughs> chuckles about that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's good that you had stated that. So thank you so much for sharing. About life after coming back, when you came out of the coma after being brain dead for three days and you, you're suddenly fine, what did the doctors think of that?
0: <laughs> they freaked out on me and I freaked out on them <laughs> at first. <laughs> we both kind of freaked out on each other. I. I woke up, and I was ready to go home. I woke up at one eleven a m after three after three full days in a coma, and I was ready I was literally ready to go home right then they wouldn 't let me, of course, but I was ready. I was up I pulled every every cord and cable and sensor off of wow. me, and out of me I pulled everything off of me, and i all I would allow was this gown that I would wrap around my waist, but that was it and i 'll tell you i I had the hardest time of even having anything touched me. I was very claustrophobic. Um, and, and one of the reasons I was this way, though, is because you know our spirit, our soul is so much larger than we are. And so when we come back into these physical bodies, it's kind of like cramming a whale into into a sardine can. And that's what it feels like. It feels like you're the whale and you're getting crammed into a sardine can. So I was I was really claustrophobic and the doctors were trying to give me medicines for it and I was refusing it Um, I refused any medicines at all as soon as I woke up. um, I was very conscious, not, uh, you know, delirious in any way, shape, or form. They did give me about a a little phone book worth of paperwork that I had to sign before they would release me, and then I also had to get cleared with every department. So I had to get cleared with cardiology, with neurology, uh, with, with all the different departments. They had to clear me first, and then I signed the paperwork, and then I went home. But I wasn't able to leave until about it was about 7, 7.30 in the morning, uh, even though I woke up at 1.11. So those hours in between, they were doing all these tests on me and scans and checks and asking me if I knew my name and what year I graduated and what year it was. <laughs> so, you know, it, it felt really weird that they were I, – I to me, it felt like um, I had left with my friend to go to that restaurant, and then I woke up in the hospital. That's, to me, at that time, that's what I remembered, and it was only the a, a day later when my sister, uh, she, she kind of helped trigger my memory of what happened um, when she asked me if I had a near-death experience, and and that's when, you know, it was a whole, whole other section of the book there to explain that part, but, yeah, that's, that's essentially, you know, me and the doctors, we, we kind of had it out for about six hours while, uh, well, you, while to... you know, they made
1: Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: No worries. Yeah, so they were making me sign all this paperwork and making me, you know, prove to them that I wasn't, I wasn't you know, brain dead. They, they kept telling me that, I, number one, I was a miracle boy. That's what they kept calling me. They kept uh, saying, oh, you're my miracle boy. And, and then um, after we'd talk and such, they'd say, well, we really believe that you're going to go back under into a coma state, that once in a while when, you know, coma patients will come out for a day or two, and then they go back in deeper than they were before. So they kept thinking I was going to go back, but I didn't. I, you know, all these years later, it's been, been almost 20 years. It'll be 20 years in January since my death. And wow. I, I haven't gone back in a coma yet. Not yet.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to touch base on this a little bit. So here you are. You then took this pill. Was it a red pill or a blue pill?
0: it was purple no just kidding (laughs) no (laughs) it it was actually a liquid it was a liquid so this was a liquid supplement and uh, me and my buddy were actually taking it for quite a while for about six months and it was so popular that all the local stores at the mall and the vitamin shops were all sold out so we bought some from Thailand we found it online and we thought it was the same stuff we were getting in the United States but what we didn't realize that all the t- all the places that were selling it internationally it was the the concentrated solution not the diluted solution like we were buying in the United States so the stuff we were buying in the states was a five percent solution but the stuff we were buying online specifically where we bought it was a hundred percent solution so our little bottle cap that we took was like taking 20 bottle caps of the normal stuff so it it, it was a It was toxic right away, and our bodies felt it. It was just way too much. And, um, yeah, Uh, it it knocked us both out, knocked us for a big loop.
1: It was like, okay, buddy, you overdid it. You're going to sleep, but you're still woke. And then after that, it was like your, your body went through this healing, and then... You just, like, got up off the bed like it was a Sunday morning. All right. (laughs) Hello, (laughs) everyone.
0: And and actually, when I woke up, I woke up and there was no nurse around or anything. So I woke up, pulled all the sensors off me, wrapped a a gown around me, and I I Uh went out in the hallway and and walked down to the elevator, and I was going to leave. I really was. But the the nurses came running over screaming. They're like, no, you can't leave. (laughs) They, They were freaking out on me. Yeah. It was quite a
1: funny I mean, experience at that point, actually. I, I'm trying to tell you, I mean, I can't get over that. I mean, that is phenomenal. I mean, you know, hey, sometimes when it's not your time, it is just not your time.
0: No. And
1: <laughs> yeah, it is not your time. So you're not taking any more pills then, Right.
0: No, I, I do vitamins and such, but I, 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 I lean away from any of those liquid supplements. <laughs> I, I do, I'm do. i very uh, natural. I like to go as natural as I can with stuff, you know, as little mm-hmm. pharmaceutical as possible. Uh, but, yeah, I, I do like the natural way of doing things, but I, I do do my due diligence on anything I'm putting in my body now. And, and that, you know, that's, of course, something for, for anybody who's been through what I have. That's what they're going to do, too. You know, you're very careful what you put in your body after something like that.
1: Yeah, that is true, and and that would make you very, very skeptical. So you're not like that with food or anything, are you? You know, it's like there's so much going on, and if you read the news, you know, I don't even listen to the news no more, because if you listen to the news, I probably would be just uh, 10 pounds after, you know, uh,
0: reading about <laughs> or listening to <laughs> Oh, yeah. There's, what you and what people: mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, it's really weird, too, with the news. Um, the news is such a, a kind of a, a chaos energy. And even listening to the news or watching the news, it, we're consuming it. Even though we're not necessarily putting it in our mouth, we're consuming that energy into us. And, and that energy is going to stay there for a while. And if we're constantly consuming news, it's actually going to biochemically start to change who we are here. And so it is important that we are very um, succinct and and perceptive about what we're allowing in our body, whether it's through the food, uh, you know, what we're eating, or whether it's the energy that we're eating with our, you know, what we watch, our entertainment, the music we listen to, all of it has energy, all of it. And it's either positive or negative. And if we're putting a lot of negative in us, it's going to end up showing up in our body.
1: That is true. And it causes behavioral habits, and we have to really, really be careful about that, such Mm -hmm. as, like, I I don't eat, like, pork, I don't eat beef, and I don't eat turkey. I was eating chicken a little bit, especially if I go to barbecues, because it seemed like, you know, that's the main entree is chicken. However, I just was on this fish kick, and I love salmon. But even after a while from eating salmon, I start feeling some type of way. It was like too much mercury was in my body. So I had to lay Mm -hmm. off of that. And I was like telling myself, oh, my God, I'm just going to be eating, you know, nothing but vegetables. I am really, really being an earth person (laughs) right (laughs) now.
0: Just, you know,
1: having, yeah, just having you know, vegetables and fruit. And it just depends on, you know, even with the fruit that we, you know, been eating and everything. But I've been eating a lot of plant-based products. So it's really been better for me, better on my stomach and everything. And I hear uh, even my husband when he talks about eating turkey and he, you know, states about how his stomach feels and everything, I'm like, those are all the hormones that's in, you know, those animals that, you know, people trying to double up to make extra (laughs) turkey meat and everything. And we do, we have to really be conscious of our eating habits and what we are putting into our bodies and, and everything so that is so true
0: my next question to you
1: Mm -hmm. go ahead
0: i was just gonna i was gonna chime in on that too real quick that you know it's really funny um for years after my experience i was you know eating my normal diet of american diet and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden all these problems started to show up and so i went back to the diet i was shown when i had my experience and, you know, as a lot of Christians believe that one day there'll be so much peace on the earth that the lamb will lay down with the lion, and somehow in our brains we think we're going to be over with our barbecue units over in the corner with the other lambs, grilling them up on the, on the barbecue or something. But, but no, when, when the mm-hmm. lamb is laying down with the lion, we ourselves are going to be putting down the animal flesh and not partaking anymore. But the Absolutely. fruit flesh, the vegetable mm-hmm. flesh will will taste better to us than the animal flesh and, and so since i started living that way um mm-hmm. i i've completely feel different and i can tell you like my my joints my body it feels uh, you know I'm, I'm not a skinny guy i'm a big guy so i got to make sure that i i really don't partake any of those those animal fleshes because it cool. does keep me in a state that i'm not aching i'm not hurting not the way that i i had been you know years past when i was you know, big in the barbecue and the sushi and everything. <laughs> right, I
1: do agree. I, it's the same here. I feel so much better, and I'm still playing at my age—kickball, volleyball, everything—and I and I love it. You know, <laughs> it keeps me totally youthful. Awesome. <laughs> it does. The girls love it too. I mean, they like Pamela. They don't believe how old I am. So, yeah, but I I do I do um, agree with you on that. Did you remember any everything about your experience as soon as you woke up from your coma?
0: No, so what happened was as soon as I woke up, um, it was all black. It was all blank to me. I couldn't remember any I I remembered leaving my friend's house in the car to go to the restaurant, but I didn't remember getting there or dying there. I didn't remember any of that. I didn't remember the experience. Until the day after I came back, I went out to dinner. My, my sister took me out to dinner, and she, she cornered me at dinner and said, she, she said, Vinny, you know, I go by Vinny. She's like, Vinny, did you know that you died? You know that you died, right? And I said, yeah, I know I, that I died. And, and she goes, well, did you have a, a near-death experience? Did you see anything? Did you go towards the light? Did, you, did anything happen to you? And what the weirdest thing to me is my mouth went to form the words, no, but as I tried to say no, what started to come out of me was this whole experience. The whole experience came out of me. And, and as it did, it just landed right into my consciousness as if it was already there. And, and then I remembered, and it was a true remembering. But what's so weird about this is what came back to me in that, that night inside that restaurant with my sister is it stayed with me, very vivid and very distinct and unchanging, it doesn't change with, with time, which is so weird because experiences that we have here in our physical world, they tend to change and mutate with time depending on how we're living and who you know how we're existing here. But this experience hasn't changed at all, and it's, it's really uh, neat because I can go back and get perfect recall with any part of it, any part of it. From the very beginning, how I got to heaven, the ten principles I learned to get there, some things I saw about our future um, on the earth, and just some beautiful, beautiful things it's just perfect recall and it's and it's been consistently there it's never um faded in any way so so to me it's unlike any memory i've ever had in my life because you know i've had some some close calls with death before this um you know i was I was hit by a car once when I was a kid, rollerblading, you know skating mm-hmm. down the street and and got hit up with on a bicycle too once, and it's it's you know I've had some brushes with death, but those memories completely have faded in my life. But not this. This is very succinct and and very uh, distinct and specific, and hasn't faded at all for me. So I would I would call it perfect recall because I I can recall it exactly how it happened, and and nothing has changed. And it's funny I've been verbally sharing this experience for for almost twenty years now. And people that heard it 20 years ago, um, they'll come and hear the, you know, a current current event where I'm, I'm speaking at, and they say, well, that's amazing. That's just the same experience you described 20 years ago. And, and I, know, I go, I know, because it, it hasn't changed for me. It's the exact same experience, you know. So, yeah, mm-hmm. at first I didn't remember. It did take kind of an activation of my sister asking me, hey, did you have an experience? And my reaction of wanting to say no is what brought it out of me.
1: Yeah. And so you have stated, you know, what did you see? What, what light did you see when, when you was in this experience?
0: So when I, when I first recognized that I was actually dead, because I didn't, I didn't fully recognize that it was me that I was watching at first. Um, mm-hmm. As soon as I realized that, you know, that dead body I'd been hanging around for about an hour, was actually my dead body. Uh, right. Once I realized that, I started to feel like this real darkness come over me, like a fear. And I, I actually heard my own the voice of my own mind say, you idiot, how could you not know you're dead? And this has been you you've been watching for a whole hour, you know? Um, and I felt that very strongly. And I felt as if almost darkness started to overtake me. and And as it started to overtake me, this warmth started on the, on the center of my back, and it started to spread over me from behind me. And it was so warm and, and loving and encompassing me. I had to turn yeah. to see where this warmth was coming from. And it was coming from this gentleman. That uh, Here was this gentleman all dressed in white. He was wearing a white suit, white trousers, white shoes. But he had like a white stole um, with a little bit of color in it um, over his shoulders, like kind of like a robe thing. And um, this gentleman sitting there looking at me, he's got long white hair, long white beard, and he's got this pink skin that really glistened. And and he himself was eluding or exuding light at me, like he literally was glowing himself. And the light that was coming off of him was making me feel um, a feeling I'd never felt in this world here, a feeling of truly unconditional love. That wow. no matter what I had ever done or no matter what I was going to ever do, that I was divinely loved for who I was right then, right there. And it was such a beautiful thing. And, and right off the bat, I asked him, I, I said, are you God? And he kind of chuckled a little bit, and he's like, no, I'm not God. You know, son, I'm not, I'm not God. And so my follow-up question was, well, then you must be, you know, are you Jesus? And, and he said, no, I'm not Jesus either. He said, I'm, I'm here to be your guide. I'm here to be your escort to help you go where you want to go. Um, if, I, if you want to go back to where your body is, that he pointed down to where my body was, if you want to go back there, you, Allah can help you get back there. Or if you want, you can come with me and I'll show you what's next in life. And, and the way he showed me life is life is not just like line from point A to point B. It's like a cycle, you know. Um, constantly growing and elevating and raising, so i I instantly knew I wanted to go with him because just that feeling that he he gave me that love that he showed me was greater than anything i 'd ever experienced in this world and and I knew I wanted more of that, so I went with him and he helped me you know discover more of that, not just coming from him but coming from from the universe and from god and 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 from myself that I could actually I could obtain and feel that, that light, that, that love that I was feeling from him, I could obtain it myself. And so he he, you know, went on a journey with me and and yeah. taught me how I I can, you know, connect to, to to God, connect to the Creator and how to heal myself energetically and, and and with love and and how to grow. So that's what I did. I loved it.
1: Thank you. Thank you for sharing. That's beautiful. This happened 20 years ago. Why mm-hmm. is now the time you've decided to finally share your story with the world?
0: Yeah, I, you know, for for five years, I only shared it with really close family and friends. Um, so, you know, th- this happened in 2003. It was January 18th of 2003. And so up until about 2007, 2008, I only shared it with very, very close friends, um, and I shared it with a few small church groups at that point, and the, the church groups really loved it. They kind of latched onto the story, and and, and word spread that I, w- I was willing to share it, and so God kind of nudged me out into the public with my story, and I sh- started sharing it with different church groups. It didn't matter the religion. I was, t- you know, teaching it or sharing it with a bunch of Christian church groups, um, you know, Baptist, Methodist, Mormons. Um, I was sharing it with a, 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 a Buddhist group once. So I was I was sharing it with a lot of different communities, and I, I got to a point that every time I got done sharing it with a group, I would have a large number of people approach me and say, "Where can I get your book?" And and I'm like, "Oh, I don't have a book." And they would and they would kind of scratch their head and say, "Well, why aren't you putting this in a book?" And and after so many years of that, after ten years of that. I personally finally decided, you know what? God keeps sending me this message that I need to put this experience in a book. I better do it. And, and this just overwhelming peace came over me, and I knew that that was the right thing to do is to start putting it in a book. So for, for about five years, I worked on it myself, and, and that, that got me all the way to about 2017, 2018, working on it on myself. And, and I was having the hardest time put into words, this nonverbal experience, this experience that goes beyond words. And that's when I realized I had to get a very good writer to come help me. And I just so happened to have an amazing friend um, who is teaching writing, and one of his best writers um, is, was also a friend. So I, I kind of recruited him, and God helped me. He really helped me uh, recruit him and, and bring him into the, into the work so that we could get this story out there. And, you know, it's not for everybody, but, you know, for those who read it, I would say majority, I'd say more than 90% of the people who read it really connect to this story and connect to my experience. But more importantly, they connect to those 10 divine principles that, you know, once a lot of people get done reading, they're like, I felt like I already knew this my whole life, but nobody put it into words. And I too felt that when I had my experience, I felt like I already knew it, but I, I had to have this guide kind of teach me that I actually knew it and put it in principle for me. So um, I, I feel that most people really feel uplifted and and they feel a, a stronger and a better connection to the Creator, to their God, um, so that they can have a, a better divine experience here in this earthly plane and understand that this life goes so much farther beyond what we see here, that this is the little stopping point, this is the train station here, you know, we're only here for yeah. 100, years, 100 years or so, but yet we're eternal. Who we are is eternal. We live forever. Uh, we do. We are eternal beings, and you know we're going to live eternally after this. So it's important for us to, to get out of the classroom what we need and really grow the way we want to grow because um, that's why we're here, yeah.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for sharing. You're married now with two kids. Yeah. How has this experience affected you as a parent, and what advice do you have for parents? Well,
0: the, I, I get um, always taught to me through, through my experience a principle called the principle of the pointed finger. And, you know, in families, a lot of times we're pointing fingers at each other, uh, and, and typically, within the family, when we're pointing a finger at someone, we're pointing one finger at, at, at who we think uh, did something bad or wronged us or did something like that. Uh, but, you know, look at your hand when you point your finger. When you look at your hand, you're pointing one finger out towards that person, but you're pointing your thumb up to God. So we're putting the same blame that we're putting on that person, we're putting that same blame up to God, because God created that person, so in essence what blame we put out into the universe we're also putting on god the creator but also look under your pointed finger look at those three fingers pointed right back at you so when we're pointing the, the the finger on other people we're actually pointing that negative energy three times stronger back towards our own heart and 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 essentially that that principle of the pointed finger is really important once we understand that and we we can kind of hack it ourselves and realize you know what it works just as good for good as it does for bad. So if we start pointing out the good things that people are doing around us, especially in our families, that goes so much further than, than pointing out the bad things that people are doing within the family. So, so to me, the principle of the pointed finger is something that is vital for families and, and understanding that what we put out, we're taking on three times stronger without our heart. So it's very, good for, it's very important for us to put out good stuff good energy, good love towards our, our fellow man, our fellow being, but especially for our families, because our families are divine in uh, the same way that we are divine. And it's important for us, you know, no matter how we form our family, it's important for us to truly um, create a divine, sacred space within that family where the principle of the pointed finger can be used in good to share love, to share uh, compliments, to share uplifting remarks towards each other and we get to gain that strength right back three times stronger towards our own heart as we share it to others within the family. Um, but, yeah, that to me is one of the most important principles for our families is I, you know, I, I call it the principle of the pointed finger. It's kind of simple, but you know what? It's very, very effective once you understand it. There's so many times in families we're over there pointing the negative finger towards fingers. others.
1: Absolutely. And,
0: and, and we, hold, we hold this bottle of po- this bottle of poison, and we say, oh, I'm going to drink this poison. I hope you get sick. And it's, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't work like that, you know. We can, yeah. we can hope that it, it makes an impact on someone else, but it's never going to. It's only going to impact us. And it's going to impact Absolutely. us three times stronger than anything we can put out of ourselves. So it's important for us to put good things out. Then we get good things in. It's, a, again, a simple principle, but it goes a long, long way, especially within a family.
1: Beautiful. Well stated. And my last question to you is, what is the most important thing you want people to remember from this interview?
0: Um, the number one thing is to understand that we are all energy, every single one of us, and that every, every day is an opportunity to make that energy brighter and bigger and stronger or to to dampen or darken that energy. It's 100% our choice, and there's no there's no wrong or right choice. It's just our choice. We get to choose. Do we want to grow that light? Do we want to grow that energy within us? Or do we want to put out that energy within us? It's our choice every day because we are in that classroom, not the courtroom. And it's those choices right. that, that end, end up becoming our habits, and our habits become... Um, our character, and our character becomes our destiny. It's our direction of where we go with our life. So those, it boils down to our choices. You know, be distinct and succinct about your choices, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to take you a lot further in this life and to a much higher level of, of light or love or energy, because those three things are very close to the same thing.
1: Well stated. Two things would be great to remember. First, that everything we've talked about today and more is in the book, The Light After Death, available on Amazon. Second, is that life is beautiful. So each day we should always cherish when we wake up.
0: Yeah, Mr. absolutely. And thank you so much today, Pamela. I really appreciate this opportunity to. To chat with you you're such an amazing person i, I love your thank energy you. it's such a, a great energy
1: thank you so much well mr toman is there anything else you would like to share about what's next before we go and how someone can contact you?
0: well I'll, I'll tell you um there's some really neat things ahead of us for for planet earth there's some big growing pains they're going to be kind of hard but as long as we know that as we get through it there's some really beautiful things ahead of us so, you know, don't listen to the news. Don't listen to doom and gloom. There's beautiful things ahead for us, and and I, I beseech you, if this if this experience or story connects to you, go go seek it out. It is on Amazon. It's also on Audible now. It did just come out on Audible, and I happen to be the reader, so sorry about the voice on there. That's me reading it, but, but hey, uh, I could be the only one reading my story, so I did That's read nice. it on the, on the <laughs> Audible, too. <laughs>
1: that is beautiful. Absolutely. Mr. Tolman, it has been a pleasure having you on my show, and I do look forward to chatting further in the future. And thank you again, and good luck on your endeavors. Well, listeners, I have reached my destination. I am an award-winning author of the new book, A Journey of a Sapphire. I hope to inspire others who are on their journey towards success to never give up on your dreams, and how to recognize behavioral problems. You can purchase my book by visiting journeyofasapphire.com. I am also available on Amazon.com and Kindle Fire. And as always, I leave you with this quote and do have a wonderful, blessed day. She's the kind of queen that knows her crown isn't on her head, but... In her soul, Adrian Michael. Cheers, everyone. Have a beautiful, wonderful day. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to All Roads 65 Max Radio with Pamela Henderson. Join us every other week on Tuesdays, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on BBS Radio Station One. And please visit allroads65max.org and become a volunteer or sponsor and be the change you want to see in this world. With your help, we can make a difference in our society and uplift those who so desperately need our help. Thank you for tuning in.